Serious. I know I'm gonna be all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulls on. I'm Jason. Without Will, this show it's okay. We'll move through it. We'll get past it. Uh, check us out on Twitter at the Bulls Zone, Facebook at Chicago Bulls Zone, and our website at shybullzone.com. On this episode, we're gonna discuss how well the Bulls have been playing lately, and damn, they're just killing it. It's great. It's a great time to be a Bulls fan. Uh, it's something that we as Bulls fans, hasn't, we haven't been able to look forward to to play like this for quite some time and be as excited as, as I think everybody who roots for the Chicago Bulls are. Uh, they're playing on all cylinders or just clicking nine and one in the last 10 games, a six-game winning streak, and it's not a six-game winning streak against bums. Uh, it's a, it's a six-game winning streak against some really – Really good teams. Uh, you had the Memphis Grizzlies that the Bulls beat recently. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are part of that last 10 games. The Toronto Raptors, the Washington Wizards, top teams in the East. Uh, Miami, uh, they're, they're struggling a little bit, but they're at any time they can catch fire and, and just destroy you. Uh, so this Bulls team's looking really, really nice right now with a, a stretch coming up against Indiana. The Brooklyn Nets, Denver Nuggets might be a little a bit of an issue, but it is at home. The Bulls uh, may be able to get a little bit back from them. Uh, Boston, that's going to be a, a pretty pretty easy game for Chicago, I hope. Um, so they have a really good shot at winning the next three with ease. Uh, then they have the game against Houston, which we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then you know, a couple games here and there. Not until the very end of January uh, do the Bulls have a, a really tough stretch where they play the Hawks, the Cavaliers, the Spurs, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, the Miami Heat, and then the Golden State Warriors. So that that stretch right there is going to be a, a very tough stretch for the Bulls. That begins uh, January 17th. And so we'll have to see how the Bulls – uh, get through that stretch. I mean, if they're playing at the level that they're playing around right now, Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose are playing unbelievable basketball together in that backcourt. Derrick Rose in the last 10 games is averaging almost 22 points per game, uh, shooting the ball 50% from the field, uh, averaging 30 minutes a game. Uh, it's it's incredible how this guy has turned it around since the beginning of the of the year. And he wasn't attacking as much. It was trying to trying to pull up a lot of three-pointers, uh, settling for jump shots. And you're seeing a different Derrick Rose ever since being called out by Tom Thibodeau. Um, it's, it's been a, a nice, pleasant uh, last eight games, I guess, f- during the stretch for Rose because he didn't miss those two right in the middle of the mix due to the flu. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I, I'm, not, I'm still not going to say MVP, but I will say most improved player, definite all-star. 22 points per game, shooting the ball 49% from the field on these last 10 games. And it's really has carried this Bulls team. Um, 
just when you think that things are getting a little difficult, a little tough, you know, who, who are they turning to? It's not always Derrick Rose anymore. It's, it's Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy has done his thing throughout this season. And it's hard to come up with another two guard uh, that's better than him. And there's it's, it's more and more turning towards Jimmy Butler as being the next, all, the best all around two guard in the NBA over Clay Thompson. Uh, speaking of Clay Thompson, him and Steph Curry uh, over at Golden State, those guys are known as the best backcourt back in the NBA. Uh, these last 10 games, I did a little comparison between them and, and the Bulls, uh, Derrick Rose and, and Jimmy Butler. Clay Thompson's averaging 21.6 points per game, shooting 46% from the field. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 22.6 points per game, shooting 49.7% from the field. And then you got the uh, the shooting guards in, in Derrick Rose, 21.9 points per game, 50% from the field. And Steph Curry with 23 points per game, uh, shooting 49% from the field. So the one and two, uh, as it, as it's been proclaimed, best back best back courts in the NBA, um, these guys, these four players combined are playing um, great basketball together. And so the Bulls are Jimmy Butler. The Derrick Rose show is is getting national attention. Jimmy Butler, uh, you really can't say enough about the way this guy's been playing lately. His teammates are talking him up. Uh, coaching staff loves him to death. Fans love Jimmy Butler. Um, these these last nine months of no Jimmy Butler, no Bulls basketball, and all of a sudden this guy comes out like a cannon. Um, yeah, unbelievable. I, it, we rave and rave and rave on this show constantly about how good Jimmy Butler is, and it's it's really hard to pump him up any more than we already have. Uh, everybody, as a Bulls fan, everybody that listens to the show, they know how we feel about this. They know how Jimmy Butler is playing, how well he is playing, all aspects of the game. Um, Joe Kim Noah came out after the Pelicans game and said that Jimmy Butler is a great all-around player, possibly defensive player of the year type player on the defensive end, which – it is, it's not far-fetched to think he's Defensive Player of the Year because of what he does on the court, who he guards, how many minutes he puts in, what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball as well as on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, averaging 7.2 rebounds per game for a shooting guard. Uh, unbelievable. I, I, I was on the show last year, at the very beginning of the year, saying what I thought Jimmy Butler was going to do, and he's doing it now this year, and I'm just – I can't be more pumped. I, I can't be more hammered off this Kool-Aid that, that Jimmy Butler mixed up for everybody to drink off. doesn't seem like it's going to be going away anytime soon, which, which is good for Bulls fans because for the first time since that fateful 2012 season where Derrick Rose went down with a torn ACL, Bulls are now being talked as – not only front runners coming out of the East, because look, you look around the Eastern Conference and it is, it's trash, okay? It is complete trash of what's going on there. Uh, the damn Cleveland Cavaliers got blown out by like 30 points tonight by the Detroit Pistons. That any given night, anybody can win. The Toronto Raptors are doing their thing. Sure, uh, they got it going on right now, but the Bulls seem to have their number. They're 2-0 against them for the season, so... They match up in the in the Eastern Conference Finals or anywhere in the playoffs, and I have very good, strong confidence level that the Bulls will be able to take care of business against them. Uh, Washington Wizards, we'll see if they can continue what they've been doing throughout this season so far. I'm, I'm really not on board on, on what the Wizards have been doing as, as far as being a real threat to the Chicago Bulls. The Cavaliers have a lot to figure out. 
they were talked as being the next Miami Heat with the addition of LeBron, with the addition of Kevin Love. And for God's sakes, Kevin Love is exactly, exactly what I thought he was. 100% accuracy. I don't like toot my own horn, but I did. I was not on the Kevin Love bandwagon. I did not think that he was who he is or who he was in Minnesota. I saw right through it all. Kevin Love is a rich man's Carlos Boozer, who is a, has the ability to shoot the three-pointer, has the ability to be a stretch four. But other than that, I mean, when you look at what Carlos Boozer did, at the Utah Jazz, I mean, that's kind of what Kevin Love is doing right now with the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is okay basketball. I mean, it's above average. He's an all-star level player, sure, but he's not what everybody thought he was going to be. Chris, I'd take Chris Bosh over Kevin Love any day of the week. Any day of the week, I would take Chris Bosh over Kevin Love. So um, I'm not all about the Kevin Love affair, and, and I'm glad that the Cleveland Cavaliers gave up their young rookie and Andrew Wiggins, a second-year player, and Anthony Bennett to do a trial run at Kevin Love, who is not seeing the ball. I mean, there's there's plays where that guy doesn't see the ball six, seven times down the court. And when he does, it's passed right away to Kyrie or, or, or LeBron James and let them do their thing. He's not in the number one focal point of the offense, and that's what Kevin Love wants to be. Don't be surprised if Kevin Love is not in a Cleveland Cavalier uniform come the start of next season. Don't be surprised. He's not getting what he wants there. He's not getting the fandom or the the the, the credit that he was getting up in Minnesota. Uh, he wasn't he was, wasn't the poster child of the organization. I see him in L.A. I really really see him back in L.A. Um, I'd be shocked honestly. I'd be shocked if he was in Cleveland still. So everybody was thinking the Bulls. This is their year that they have to get this done. And but not necessarily because if they can if the Cleveland Cavaliers can't retain Kevin Love and actually they can figure out what's going on, they're still going to struggle a little bit with with Kyrie Irving and and an aging LeBron James. Now, I don't know if LeBron is saving things up for the season and he's just going to come out like a beast, like a man-child in the postseason. That's something that is – I don't have a a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen with LeBron, but he's not the same player he was in Miami. Uh, So Cleveland doesn't really bug me either. I'm not really, I really could care less about Cleveland. Atlanta Hawks, that's, the Hawks do this every year. They start out hot. They, they kind of um, just stay middle of the pack throughout the season, make the playoffs, probably, most likely, yes. A real threat to the Bulls, I don't think so. Um, Chicago is the favorite coming out of the East. And also, now the national guys are talking about the Bulls being a title favorite. Now, there's a lot of great teams in the Western Conference. Really, really solid teams. Now, the Bulls have beat up on um, the Portland Trailblazers, who were 10-0 coming into that game with the Bulls a couple weeks ago against Eastern Conference teams. Memphis Grizzlies, who uh, were playing very, very good basketball before that game, they, they faced off with the Bulls without Derrick Rose. The Bulls were able to handle that, uh, that game, too. So, uh, other than the Golden State Warriors and that, that uh, dreaded circus trip, the Chicago Bulls have, for the most part, um, been able to take care of business against these Western Conference teams, which is is kind of nice to know. It's, it's a very refreshing thought uh, when 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 dealing with the question: Do the Bulls have what it takes to get past a Western Conference team? 
They lost to Portland, Sacramento Kings, Denver Nuggets, all on the road, all in that circus trip where everybody was in and out of the lineup. It was doom and gloom on this show. It was uh, a lot of heads were down. People were frustrated. The Dallas Mavericks game they lost to was, well, we all know that. And that, that game was the Kirk Heinrich effect. Um, so in looking in the Western Conference, you got Golden State, Portland, Houston, Memphis, Dallas is looking really good with the addition of, of Rondo. Um, the San Antonio Spurs, you can never count them out. So there's some really good teams in the West bulls. If, if they do in fact make it to the NBA finals, which I feel very, very confident in. And that's just not my bulls biasness coming in here into play, but I, I really think they have a really, really good shot at making this happen. Then if they do that, um, it's going to be a, a one hell of a series, no matter what. And, and I can't sit here four months away and make the notion five months away, whatever it is, uh, that the Bulls are, are title favorites because I don't think that they're title favorites. I don't think that there is a team in the NBA right now that anybody that we can pinpoint and say they are the title favorites. Um, I left out the thunder there. Getting Kevin Durant and Russell, West, Russell Westbrook back is, is going to be very entertaining to watch those guys climb the ranks in the West also. Uh, you can't count them out either. That would be that might be worst case scenario for the Bulls in the finals if it was the Oklahoma City Thunder. So uh, that 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 team has always scared me and the matchup problems that they have with the Bulls. Who guards Durant? Uh, who guards Westbrook? Ibaka's just a man child. So uh, a lot of a lot of question marks there. Anyway, jumping back into the the ten games that the Bulls have recently played, uh, it's very apparent that Tom Thibodeau now realizes after Taj Gibson was out, after the Noah injuries, Pau Gasol missed a couple games back in uh, back in mid-November, Miritich has become a Rookie of the Year candidate. He is, especially after Parker went down with the ACL, Wiggins is a top guy right now, uh, just because I think of his name. I don't think he's playing a lot better than Miritich, when Miritich is actually on the court, Wiggins gets more playing time than him. But Miritich is getting a lot of national media attention because he plays for the Bulls. Um, it's very difficult for somebody like Andrew Wiggins to get national attention when he's playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are hardly ever on uh, national TV. Miritich is playing like a third, fourth-year veteran. Um, he's been compared to Kukoc recently uh, during a game. Dirk, uh, his sky is completely, it's, it's the sky is the limit for this guy brings the ball up the court. His handles are ridiculous for a six ten player. Uh, his quickness, his ability to pump fake and get to the rack on just about any player. Uh, the Pelicans threw three different defenders at him. They threw a center at him. Uh, they threw a power forward and ran Anderson at him. And they threw Anthony Davis at Miritich. Three guys in a matter of two or three minutes because he was having his way with each guy. Um, Anthony Davis obviously had a couple blocks in a row on him. That's a, that's a physical matchup that Miritich will lose nine times out of ten. But it, Miritich didn't back down. At this stage in his career, um, it's nice to see a rookie not back down from a player. Uh, so with, with his play, with his abilities, and what he's been able to do, he's going to be a key component for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, in this title run, a very key component and somebody that we kind of joked about, like we're going to be counting on Miritich and, and McDermott to, to get us to the, to the championship this year. We're depending on those guys. And right now, you know, we were a little reluctant back in that circus trip because they weren't seeing time. They weren't seeing minutes. And then when they were given minutes, they weren't really doing the most with the minutes. Um, now Miritich is. 
And now Tom Thibodeau has a very, very big issue on his hands, and that's that's how am I going to get Nikola Miritich on the court? I need to get this guy on the court because he, he was quoted as saying, when we have Miritich on the court, it makes that, that much easier. How, as a player, as a rookie, and knowing that your coach is a rookie killer, uh, you're a rookie player, you don't play under Tom Thibodeau. You have to prove yourself. And you hear your coach give kudos like that. That's just got to shoot your confidence level through the roof. And we discussed this last show. I wrote an article on well, how's Tom going to get him more minutes? Uh, one of the things, the most obvious thing that I left out of the article uh, was just don't play Powell and, and Joakim Noah as much. That's that's obvious. But I, I wanted to see what Bulls fans really, other than the 100%, this is what you need to do. I mean, that's uh, just a given. Um, the options were Trey Taj. Trey Taj gives him, we discussed this last show. Uh, if you're going to be able to do it, now's the time to do it. Um, since that last show, I, I don't feel as strongly in trading Taj Gibson, although that that one, uh, as far as the poll for that article, the most votes, the highest percentage was to actually trade Taj Gibson by Bulls fans, which I was completely shocked, and so was Will. Um, we, we both were blown away, and maybe that's because people don't have to put a name behind it. They can just click a button. Maybe people were being jokesters. Maybe Will wanted to see that happen, so he just kept on voting over and over again. So, um We'll have to make sure. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to figure that one out because that that is a very good possibility. Um, but other options were playing a shot that small forward, and, and people laughed at that. Tibbs discussed how that's not gonna happen. Cowley's been on the show talking about how Miritich can't be a small forward in this league, according to to Tom Thibodeau. Casey Johnson said no, no way that's gonna happen. And lo and behold, last game he was put at small forward. Tib said he's been working on it in practice. He's been tinkering with the idea, and he played with it. He had to see it out on the court. He had to see it during a game. He put him out there, I believe, for about three or four minutes in that game uh, and matched him up against Cunningham, a small forward for the Pelicans. Nico did well. Uh, he wasn't able to get a lot of space from Cunningham because he is a quicker player because of his small forward size, but Nico did rebound the hell out of the ball going against that guy and and Cunningham isn't a scorer. He's not a guy you really need to worry about. And that was our point. You put a small forward, you put him at the small forward spot. You're not putting him up against LeBron James. You're not putting him up against Kevin Durant. When you do put him in that small forward position, you're putting him in the small forward position to match up against these slower aged or, or young and not as skilled players at the small forward position where he can excel both defensively and offensively. And defensively, I mean rebounding the ball. Um, and offensively, obviously, it's just taking advantage of the smaller player. Now, Nico has shown over the course of these last 10, 11, 12, whatever you, however many games back it's been, his defense from what it was at the start of the year to now, the way he's using his hands, the way he's moving his body, his feet, uh, the, way, the way he doesn't back down from guys, it's it's really impressive. And it's a reason why he's getting more playing time under Tibbs. It's the reason why he's able to try him out of the small forward position. It's because of what he's doing uh, defensively, his improvements that he's made throughout the season already. And and it's only we're only two months into this. We're two months into this, and, and Nikola Miritich is living up to the hype. Hell, uh, compared to a lot of what, what other people were saying about him, he's he's overdoing it. 
Uh, he was underrated coming into the season by a lot. It was on the unknown of what Miritich was going to be able to do, and we're just pleased of what he's been able to do, uh, what he's been able to accomplish so far this season. And we, us here at Bullzone, we know that he is going to be a force within this organization and this team for years to come, and it's just refreshing. And it's not only Miritich coming off the bench that, that's doing things. It's this whole new bench mob scenario that we have uh, with Taj Gibson, with Miritich, with Aaron Brooks, of all people. And those are three guys that are coming off the bench averaging in these last 10 games uh, double digits. Aaron Brooks is leading the way off the bench, averaging 13 points per game, shooting 50% from the field, 38% from behind the arc. And he's <laughs> a lot of these games he's leading the team in assists. Uh, so it was something that he kind of struggled with at the beginning of the season, finding guys open and finding the guys within the offense. And he's doing that quite well. So these last three games, six, six, and four is what he got in assist-wise. And Derrick Rose is just really struggling with um, moving the ball around and, and finding guys uh, within their offense. And Aaron Brooks is it's picking up that slack a little bit. So Aaron Brooks' all-around game is really taking off off the bench, especially with, with Kirk Heinrich being out. Um, he's being asked to play over 25 minutes a game now. Uh, Kirk, with that hamstring issue, who knows how long he's going to be out. The Bulls are just picking up right where uh, they left off with, with Kirk in the lineup. So um, his absence isn't really killing the Bulls right now, and that's a, that's a good thing uh, because once Kirk Heinrich gets healthy and he can come off the bench as a backup point guard once again um, and be Kirk, be gritty, and do his thing, I guess, as long as Brooks can continue to get his playing time. Um, I think Kirk's minutes, boy, the way that he's playing, uh, Aaron Brooks, that is, I think Kirk's minutes can go down. I don't think the Bulls need Kirk Heinrich to play uh, as many minutes as he's been playing. Etwan Moore, he's not doing a great job at this point, um, being at the two-guard spot, but I think he, he can do a lot better than what Kirk Heinrich did to the two. Uh, so Kirk Heinrich's minutes can go down. If they want Kirk Heinrich to be so... Uh, much of, a, of, a, of an involvement in this team. They're going to need him in the postseason, and that's one guy that we all know is made of glass. Uh, at any time, that guy can go down, and it could take quite a few weeks for him to return from from minor injuries. So um, Kirk Heinrich, just let's let's baby this guy throughout the season. Let's see what Aaron Brooks can do. Let's see uh, what some of these other guys can do and carry this team throughout the season. Taj Gibson, uh, last 10 games, averaging 12 points a game, 9.6 rebounds a game. Uh, shooting 55% from the field. Uh, you've got three guys, Miritich, 11.5 um, points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 43% from behind the arc and from the field. These three guys right here coming off the bench, double-digit scoring, that's huge. Uh, that's huge in these last 10 games. As you have three guys along with, with Pau Gasol, double-digits. That's six guys. There's not a lot of teams out there that can have six guys averaging double digits uh, for a 10-game stretch. And that's what the Bulls have right now. That's what they can continue to have for the remainder of this season. Uh, so I don't know. The, the front office, uh, people were kind of making fun about the, the how I, I said the front office won this year. They they did a good job this offseason by bringing in Aaron Brooks, by by making way for Miritich to become, be able to come over here along with Pau Gasol. Uh, along with Etwan Moore, I mean that's that's a nice pickup in Etwan Moore. McDermott was he's still a big big question mark out there. Um, the poor guy didn't get a very good run as a rookie. We'll see when he comes back from this recent injury, the certain knee surgery that he had. 
Um, I have faith that McDermott will be able to be a, a real NBA player if he's able to settle down, let the game come to him, and just just play his game. Uh, that's something that is still unseen out of McDermott. So um, there's a lot of flack from the organization for making that pick, but I have confidence that McDermott will be able to be um, a real asset for this team going forward. So you think about all these things and what the Bulls – uh, we're able to accomplish so far this season in comparison to last season, the first 30 games of the year. Um, this is a completely different team. Obviously, Derrick Rose does help that situation out. Yes, it's from the ground up. Uh, this this whole entire thing, this whole entire uh, Chicago Bulls um, organization is just it's just really refreshing this year. It's it's, it's all positive. Um, it's great not to have negative articles being written, um, negative thoughts, bitching and griping about trading guys. Uh, nobody's using trade machines this year and, and trade scenarios. So all that stuff is just as a fan. I mean, we, we on this show have never been able to to have a show or to go through a season in which it was positives. And this is positive. This is this is excitement level is through the roof right now for Bulls fans. Tom Thibodeau is somebody that we also had an issue with, with um, having his mindset one way and not wanting to steer around it or make make a in-game or game-by-game situational substitutions or, or change his mindset in his game plan. But he's doing that now. He's realizing what he has and what assets he has, and, he, and he's realizing that with these guys – he has to figure out a way to get them all on the court. He has to figure out a way to utilize the guys that he has to strengthen the team, to, to get the most out of this entire team. Because this, it, Joe Kim Noah said it, everybody's confidence level on what this team can do is through the roof. Everybody has a good feeling about this whole thing that they're doing. Um, talk, Coach Tom Thibodeau knows it. He has to know it. And so putting guys in there like Miritich at the three, running Aaron Brooks and, and Derrick Rose side-by-side side in the backcourt together when it was all Derrick Rose and Kirk Heinrich talk, all these things that, that we've been talking about and, and griping about, Tibbs is now doing. Tibbs is now putting Miritich in the fourth quarter with Taj Gibson, with Joe Kim Noah, uh, keeping Miritich on the court for key times during the game when the Bulls are on a run, when they're trying to get baskets, when they're, when they're trying to – when they're trying to put their opponent away, Tibbs is leading him in the game when the guy could be, get barely 10 minutes when all four bigs were healthy. I know that Aaron Brooks is only in there right now because of Kirk Heinrich's injury, but you have to believe uh, even when Kirk Heinrich actually was healthy, Derrick Rose and Aaron Brooks played on the court at the same time, and it looked magical. Teams could not double-team Derrick Rose. Coming off the pick-and-roll, um, the teams had an issue of helping while Derek ran to the or drove to the basket. If they were guarding Aaron Brooks, they couldn't do it. If they did, Derek Rose kicked out. Aaron Brooks hit the three. I mean, it, it was that simple. And then you have Jimmy Butler, a rising star in this league, also on the court. Derek Rose, Aaron Brooks, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Miritich, and, and either Taj Gibson, Joe Kimmel, or Power Saul. Either way. Four, definitely four scoring weapons on the court. When's the last time we had that? When's the last time that the Bulls had one through four, and in most situations one through five, were all major scoring threats on the court at the same time? I mean, 
unreal. That you everyone needs to take mind on what's what's going on, take note of what's going on this season. And just be happy with with exactly what we have. This is something that the Bulls fans have been waiting for. Uh, that they've been wanting for decades now. This team has an offensive rating of 109.8. Now, just to, to inform you on how good 109.8 offensive rating is, this is the first time the Bulls have, this is the highest highest offensive rating they've had since the 1996-97 Chicago Bulls season. Since 1996, and defensively, defensively, it's it's a little. I mean, it's 104, okay, and it's it's the the worst offensive or defensive rating that they've had since Tom Thibodeau has come to the Bulls. So, um, you know, with with more offensive or more offensive firepower, uh, more points scored by the Bulls, uh, a higher pace. Their pace is 93 right now. And the pace is, is an estimate of the possessions per 48 minutes for the team. So they're averaging about 93 possessions uh, per 48 minutes right now. And that's the highest it's been since the 2010 season for Chicago. So when that happens, when you're having a higher pace, your your opponent's also going to have higher possessions, which in turn gives them an off of the ability uh, to score more points. So. When when your offensive rating is up and your defensive rating is up, that's okay. But when your offensive rating is down and your defensive rating is up, that's when you you start to have problems. So, um, 109 is is pretty high, uh, especially for a Tom Thibodeau team. Anybody that doesn't know what offensive defensive rating is, um, they basically estimate the points produced by the team uh, for every 100 possessions or by a player if they break it down into a player's offensive rating and vice versa defensive rating uh, they a team how much a team or a player allows per 100 possessions defensively so right now bulls are all you know averaging 109 points and giving up 104 so uh, all good things for chicago it's just i've said it a thousand times already i think refreshing just Positive, positive, positive. Um, drinking the Kool-Aid, hammered over here by myself. I feel like a, a Kool-Aid alcoholic. I got no sidekick with me to either reel me in because I'm, I'm just being a C-Red homer right now. Or if this is all legit, I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. So I'm sure I'll hear from you guys laughing at me, making fun of me, telling me that I got to uh, tone it down a little bit. But it's really hard to do when your team's sitting at 9-1 in the last 10. They've won six straight. A twenty and nine right now for the year, and and sitting fourth place in the in the Eastern Conference after that slow start after that that terrible terrible start to the season. So and I say terrible, it wasn't really that bad. It could have been a lot worse, but from what we had all expect, expected, from what we all had expected from this Bulls team and for them to come out here and basically in in a lot of people's eyes laid an egg at the beginning of the year, uh, they're they're turning things around quickly. And we can thank Derrick Rose and, and Jimmy Butler uh, and Miritich, Tom Thibodeau, Taj Gibson. From the bottom to the top of this lineup, what they're doing, magic. This is going to be a magical season. Stay tuned. Stay there. Hang in there. I'm sure it's going to be a bumpy roller coaster ride still. It'll, it'll have its ups and downs, but I guarantee you it will be nothing like it was at the beginning of this year and definitely like uh, nothing like it was in, in recent years. So, um, Sorry to cut this show short. Uh, it is a holiday weekend. 
do have things going on. So um, we will definitely be back into the regular swing of things. We'll we'll be back next week. Hell, we might even bust out a midweek show. I'm not sure yet. You know, we get crazy all the time. So uh, anyway, thanks for tuning into the Bull Zone, whether it be on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podomatic, our wonderful, wonderful app that we don't pump up enough. But if you haven't done it, you need to go and download this thing. Get on the fan wall, interact. Uh, it's only Bulls talking. It's no BS. It's it's no C-Reds, and it's no drama on there. Also, we have a lot of media tweets. If you ever want to check on what's going on in Bulls Nation, uh, there's a media tweet deal in that app where only Bulls media Twitter handles or, or tweets come through. Uh, so it's really easy to, to keep up on, on everything going on within Bulls organization and, and within these teams and, the, and these players. So um, definitely check out that app. And also thank you to... Uh, BullsbyTheHorns.com is our affiliate website uh, where you can also check out our show and various other nice articles from them. Um, Johnny Redker Facebook fan page. Those guys are awesome over there uh, in Australia just running that, that page, doing a, a wonderful job and also supporting us in, from the very beginning of this thing. So uh, check those guys out for sure. And thanks for tuning into the Bull Zone where it's all bulls and no bullshit. Yeah.